Hi guys, I'm back with another episode today. I have the incredible Tom Jackson, who's the CEO and co-founder of Honest Oceans, joining me today. We go on a big journey of chatting about all things plastic. It's been a little bit of a while since I lived in Africa and had plastic issues, you know, piling up on beaches in the oceans quite in the forefront of my mind. So being able to talk to Tom about his experiences working in Indonesia and creating real change with not only collecting waste and trash from the environments, from the, you know, different communities and the coastal areas and the mangroves, but also the ocean. So fantastic talk today. I learned so much about plastic and kind of got me reinvigorated on trying to make plastic-free decisions again Uh, and looking for better options in Australia where I live. So I encourage you guys, listen to this episode and kind of see what can you bring into your own life since I think it's up to all of us to, as Tom said, vote with our purchases and with what we're choosing to do and spend our time on and money on in the shops because after all, the big shops, the big everyone is kind of just looking at us consumers and what we're interested in spending our money on. So if we decide we want plastic free, we want responsible, we want to be conscious consumers, then that will make a difference. I mean, just look around the shopping centers where you are now. I'm sure there are way more plastic free, plant-based options, you know, carbon emission transparency than ever before. So thanks so much to Tom for joining me. We will have to have another episode because it did get cut quite short because of Zoom. There's always something happening. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And as always, it's actually sponsored by uh, my new company, which is launching very soon, guys, Reef Rebellion, where we have 10% of our proceeds of these amazing t-shirts, which feature various species of fish to go to fish restocking. So I'm working with Reef Rebellion. Nope. I'm working with Reef Restoration Foundation, which is an incredible organization up in Cairns that are doing everything from researching the best way to uh, grow new corals, growing coral nurseries, and then outplanting the coral to kind of improve the resilience of the Great Barrier Reef. Their work is absolutely amazing, and I'm thrilled to be able to partner with them and to donate some of the proceeds from these really cute designs of fish. So we have a coral trout, we have a red emperor, we have a crayfish, and then we have my favorite, a sailfish, on cute little minimalist tops. We got crop tops, we got long sleeves, perfect for the ocean days, and then we also have normal t-shirts. So I like to say it's when you're on the dive boat in the morning, and then you have to go, you know, to a date or a club at night because they're still um, aesthetically pleasing and not kind of overwhelming. So yeah, go and check that out. That helps me be able to continue this podcast. And yeah, let's get into it. Every day, there's a new news story about the crisis facing our ocean, whether it's the plastic issue, overfishing, pollution. If the oceans die, we die. Fortunately, we have plenty of environmental activists, marine conservationists, and eco-warriors who are out there every day fighting to protect our oceans and our Earth. On the Ocean Pancake Podcast, we're going to be hearing from some of them about how to decrease our environmental footprint, go plastic-free, participate in ocean conservation, cleanups, and even maybe some marine science. So, welcome to the Ocean Pancake Podcast, where the goal is sustainability and living a turquoise life. My name is Kat Andreskova, and I'm your host today. Let's get into this week's episode. 
to another episode of the Ocean Pancake Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Tom Jackson, who is the CEO and co-founder of Honest Ocean. Welcome to the podcast, Tom. Kat, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here and uh, chat with you. Yeah, I'm thrilled that we finally managed to find a time that aligns with both of us. It's been a bit chaotic. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. So let's dive straight in. Can you tell me a bit about your background and your journey, how you fell in love with the ocean, and then how you essentially started working um, and became the CEO of Honest Ocean? Absolutely. So it started about seven years ago uh, when I used to work on boats and on crew on yachts, on private super yachts, and sort of travel travel the world by water, uh, lots of crossings between the Atlantic and the South Pacific. And just over the years of uh, six years of of doing that, noticing the increase of plastic in either the harbors or journeys or voyages across the sea. Uh, And then in 2017, uh, 2016, 17, we saw a plastic berg. So like a congealed mess of plastic held together uh, about a thousand miles from New Zealand and a thousand miles from Fiji. Um, And that was kind of really disturbing. Uh, And yeah, I really stuck with everyone on board the boat, but, but especially me. Um, And, you know, that, that uh, was something I always thought about with everything I did. And then sort of fast forward a few years, I went on to a different career where I was, working for a startup doing uh, plant-based supplements and we're mm-hmm. using plastic packaging uh, for for putting the tablets in you know sort of this pharmaceutical thick um, plastic tubes and sort of asking the supplier sort of what's your eco option can we use metal can we do like a return policy and a refill and they said no there's no option um we're looking at some we're trying to find something like that um so that was really interesting and yeah a week later after having that conversation with the supplier realizing that every every other small business or large business was having this problem i then packed my bags and moved to indonesia uh, about two years ago from from now and yeah got off the airplane and went and met every plastic recycler in Indonesia um, and just looked at the waste management and the manufacturing issue, uh, basically how many recyclers there are to how many, uh, how many virgin plastic producers, uh, virgin being new plastic. Um, and yeah, that's how it started. And from there, we managed to build a great little team who uh, all of us bar, bar one are based in, in Bali. Um, so yeah, it's uh it's grown, grown nicely over the sort of last year or so. That's amazing. I know that anytime I go to try buy anything, you know, whether it is supplements or clothes or, you know, dog things, everything is always packaged right. in so much plastic. And even if you try and minimize your impact and, you know, choose the recyclable option, which let's be real, we don't even know how, how functioning the recycling system exactly. is here in Australia. Um, it's just so hard as, you know, if you're mindful of it and then you start seeing it everywhere, there's just packaging everywhere. And how do you get away from it? Essentially. It's really difficult. And the plastic inside plastic, 
Uh, and, you know, you, as a consumer, you know, Kat, you and I and, and everyone else as individuals, you really don't feel um, like you have much power because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't like seeing it, but it's still on the shelf five years later from, you know, being annoyed with it. So it, it's really um, it's really when consumers actually do come together and having that voting power, uh, it's, it is amazing. And like I said, you, you feel sort of helpless a lot of the time. But when you when you sort of, for instance, let's say we've got two options on the shelf. One is, uh, let's say, a social uh, plastic, which uh, can be scanned on the shelf um, to, to check, you know, what impact that's had versus one next to it, which might be recycled or might be new. Um this is really what we're trying to achieve. It's it's basically being able to give people um, the the option on the shelf to go. Um, you know, plastic is a great product, right? It's cheap and it's very versatile. That's why it's completely surrounding our lives uh, still now. So, being able to have something that on the shelf where consumers um, can actually purchase something which is a little bit different, uh, whether that's you know plastic plastic in um uh in, in a recycled format that we uh, that we're trying to present or the social plastic here um uh if that gives someone an option you know brands and supermarkets they analyze data of everything that people pick up and put down and, and purchase and if one person changes that in that supermarket for that hour or for that day uh and someone else has done that uh in the next city uh for this in that same hour then you yeah times that you know by by another eight and then you've got 10 people doing that and then you know globally that could be 100 people that really starts to pick up um and yeah i know you look at the shelf and you go i don't want to pick up any of these options so it's really being able to um to find a way for consumers to 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 have a better option and a conscious choice and yeah, I mean, that's really what we're focusing on at the moment, which is being able to sort of uh, QR scan a, a product on, on the shelf or in Coles or in Tesco's or Walmart, wherever you are. And you can actually see where, um, where that community, that local community in Indonesia or Southeast Asia, where the money went towards them for your, from your purchase and how that posit- positively impacted the environment where they are. Because the waste plastic here... It's crazy. And the household collection, it might be bad in Australia and, and in the UK, but it's, it doesn't really exist here. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a small thing that we're working on. I know it's, you know, that doesn't really help consumers in terms of an answer at the moment. But, yeah, conscious buying is, is actually a really important thing. And, and no one's really talking about it. Everyone thinks, yeah, uh, my purchase could do a bit. But the power of it is is really huge. I think we have been seeing a shift definitely in our supermarkets in terms of the amount of more eco options being available. I mean, just from me moving back here from where I lived in Africa. So I know all about the whole household collection issues um, and just the lack of education and infrastructure surrounded single use plastic or any type of waste. But here in Australia, in these past few years, I have been seeing a massive shift Like you go into the hair care aisle, whatever, you know, beauty aisle, I hardly do go. But when I do go in there every time, 
there are more bamboo toothbrushes there are more soap bars and conditioner bars and shampoo bars now there are several different brands that you can actually get you know cardboard box with a shampoo bar inside it they have been making the aluminium packaging which can be uh, refilled now you can send it back you can get little refillable pouches or you can even buy bulk concentrate which then you like dilute with water so it's it's happening and it's exactly what you were saying it's because people have been showing their interest in the more eco-friendly options supermarkets are responding because they want to sell at the end of the day yeah exactly that's their only job and if something is not uh doing really well then they have to and yeah you're right it's um it's fantastic to see that that shift i think we still need bigger household brands to really consider their packaging uh you know the sort of big unilevers and things of the world but yes um definitely brands are moving that way brands have been created for that sole purpose like you just said there um uh, and yeah, the push of e-commerce, uh, I think it's New Zealand or maybe it's Australia where you can get refills delivered. Um, I think that's what it was. And I was actually trying toothpaste the other day, which uh, came in the little uh, toothpaste like mint pellets. I don't know if you've seen oh, those yeah. before. I'm still trying to yeah, get my I... hands on some, to be honest. I've read about them, but I've never actually tried them. Oh, cool. Okay, I'll send you over the, the link. You get about 250, uh, mm-hmm. I think, it's about 250. And it, it lasts a good amount of time. Um, I just have a real big problem with sort of the toothpaste and that Colgate, which, you know, you mm-hmm. roll up in the tube. And yeah. so one of one of the, those tubes have never, never been recycled. So the amount of time that that type of toothpaste uh, has been created for the, I don't know, let's say 45, 50 years in that format, one of those tubes has never, ever been recycled. And it's almost it has impossible. To be a better way. It has to be. And, you know, we, you know, I spend my life trying to pitch to Colgate and other companies saying, guys, come on, you know, uh, let's be a market leader here. Let's, uh, let's get you uh, and some, some better products and better R&D, mm. you know, let, we, can, we can offer better plastic. Yes, okay, you might have to use that, but um, uh, use social coastal plastic. And as well as that, you know, you need to find a better way because these tubes for consumers, they're not even nice to use. Um, and ro- all that rolling at the end, it sort of feels mm-hmm. like we're still in the seventies with that kind of style of um, Yeah, but people also give and, up on it, you know, and then they just throw it out. It's right. half empty. They're like, it's too much work. <laughs> Right. That's it. And we're in a world at the moment where the recycling market is still really new. 9% of mm-hmm. plastic is still only being recycled. Uh, and that's crazy when you think all our landfills are completely overflowing. And products like that, the toothpaste, you know, that's really not helping. There's no initiative there to change that. And, you know, that's a, that's a, a big part of what we do at Honest Ocean is, is trying to present better options. Um, so almost creating products. Uh, we, we've looked at this quite a few times um, to offer them as a better option. So it makes you know, the brand's life a little bit easier and time efficient on that to say, hey guys, we've, 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 you know, we've made uh, an idea of this material. Would, would, would you guys like to partner on it um, for, for different uh, returnable options and I think they're probably uh, brands like Colgate's are probably doing the tablet things but 
that's just another offset of sales channel. That's never going to, you know, mm-hmm. take over it, I don't think. And again, on top of that, we've got, you know, you get the cardboard box that comes with, and that's only yeah. there for shelf. That's there to look good. That does yeah, absolutely no zero. Yeah. So, I mean, as one product which isn't working in, in the marketplace, I would say that one's pretty bad. Uh, but mm. there's quite a few. Yeah, I really struggle with toothpaste. I mean, almost every... Hello? Hi, sorry, Kat. It just lost you the last few minutes. Oh, okay. Do you, do you know when it lost me or what was I last saying? Uh, I think it was moisturizer in bulk. And then it oh, yeah. Went. Yeah. So as I was saying, you know, I can buy most moisturizer in bulk or any of these kind of other household devices and buy in bulk or then refill it or, you know, go to the zero waste like food trucks or shops right. to find alternatives. But to the one thing that I've really just not been able to, uh, you know, dentist approved toothpaste option that is not in those tubes so that's like it's something I'm really upset about and it's funny that you brought it up because this is something I've genuinely been trying to find an alternative for for the last five years Um, so I'm very excited for you to send me the link of those toothpaste tabs (laughs) absolutely I will do that straight after this Um, and yeah you know there's it's it's just a it's just a, an example of a, of, a, of a broken product, really. And it doesn't need to be like that. It's really mm-hmm. easy uh, for them to change that uh, or create that refill. And, you know, all the, all the um, sort of uh, fill your own stores, they're great sort of self-filling. I think they're, they're really good. And, you know, humans are really, really busy and dogs and children yeah. and things like that and every everyone wants to choose i i believe everyone wants to choose the eco option if they had the mm-hmm. choice and yeah. going to self uh, refill stores i know everyone can't do that and you know life gets busy so it does really come back to the big brands to to be able to to create more efficient ways of doing uh, fast moving consumer goods like toothpaste and other things um and yeah uh, I'll stop talking about toothpaste in a minute, but um, the toothpaste example <laughs> is just, it's just evidence that it's, you know, they think it's not broken, so they haven't changed it. And the only way they will is a lot of people telling them they're doing a really bad job. Um, and they are. So, yeah. Um, yeah. There's so many products that we could get into, but as a product overview, yeah, that's, that's something that really needs to be shamed. And um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't really know how it still exists and how and why it has all those tubes have to go to landfill. You know, we find them in the environment um, every now and again uh, here in Indonesia. So yeah, it's, uh, it's not the best. episode is sponsored by Reef Rebellion, which is my new t-shirt ocean wear company, which supports the biodiversity on the Great Barrier Reef. This is where I live, and this is kind of something really close to my heart. Reef Restoration Foundation is an amazing organization working far up north in Queensland. So learn about them, check out the amazing work you're doing, or get yourself a t-shirt and rep a crayfish or a sailfish or a red emperor or a coral trout in some cute crop tops 
long sleeves or t-shirts uh, that, uh, yeah, are going to be live. So check out reefrebellion.com. You do get 10% discount if you come from here. So just use the code Ocean Pancake. Thank you guys so much for listening to this. And yeah, let's get back to talk. So can you tell me a bit more about what does Honest Ocean do? So from the start to the kind of finish, because it's all about, you know, improving the whole production process. So how do you kind of approach that? Absolutely. So the very first thing that we do is we uh, go to communities all along the coast of Indonesia and on remote islands. And what we'll do, and it's mainly my job mm-hmm. to um, go and speak to the chiefs and the leaders in these um, these villages and understand what the problem is there. Um, do have do they have any government collection system? Usually the answer is no, because the coast or these islands are hard to, hard to collect. So yeah, step one is, is creating partnerships with them uh, and um, looking at the, the issues with the waste and how we can help. And you know, would the chief be happy enough to, uh, to work with the villages to collect material? Uh, so along the coastline there. Uh, and if they do have fishermen, uh, you know, working with boats and they don't have work, we do, we do try and um, we do work with them as well. Um, just depending on on things, plastic directly from the ocean is very has to be treated very differently from plastic from the coastline, uh, especially in the recycling market because it has different applications. So you know that that's all separated. And right now, as I talked to you in September two thousand and twenty-two, we are very much uh, coastal collectors and um, very much trying to trying to get more material from from the ocean uh, but there's you know there's less customers that we find for that and uh, trying to trying to make that affordable is actually a really difficult task so yeah step one is uh, partnerships with the communities and creating those waste banks um, this time next year we hopefully will be at 300 waste banks um, throughout Indonesia and expanding into um, Vietnam and hopefully Africa at that stage. Uh, step two is then organizing the collection of material from that uh, village or community, which will then go to our processing plant, which we have one uh, in East Java, uh, quite a large one. And we've partnered with these guys to process all our material. They process it separately, they store it separately. And that's all, um, you know, for our customers. Uh, that doesn't go into, you know, the local recycling market. So then that is shredded and washed. Um, and from there, it will be processed into little pellets. Um, so it'll be heated up and made into these tiny little pellets where you get thousands of them in each um, sort of bag. And from there, it will then go to... Uh, the customer's manufacturing location. Uh, Australia, Southeast Asia, we do send a bit to Europe, but we try not to, of course, because um, of the uh, the old time in the container and the carbon. But um, our goal has always been to get it off Indonesian shores. Um, there's very little recycling infrastructure here compared to most countries. Um, so yeah, that's basically what we do. We control every step of it. And for us to micromanage that, it's super important because we have to make sure that the communities doing all the collecting um, and organizing that are getting paid properly and they're looked after. 
Um, a lot of there's a lot of uh, links in this supply chain of the recycling market. Um, so it's very important to take ownership of all of those um, and just be able to be accountable for it. We see a lot of people in this space and we've all heard the word greenwashing, especially in Indonesia. There's a lot of companies saying they're doing one thing in the West and then we see them doing something else here. So that's it's a really important part to follow through on what you're doing, not just making money from premium ocean plastic. Um, and it's really it's actually a really hard thing to do um, to be able to recycle ocean plastic. Uh, but, you know, we see all these people uh, saying that. So. It, that's a that's a big topic, and I, uh, I'm, it's something I'm very passionate about and frustrated about. Um, but yeah, we you know we concentrate on what we do, and, and we really try and find brands and customers who really want to go the extra mile and and show you know show their customers uh, where the material is coming from and, and how they've positively impacted. And with the fantastic world of technology we now use uh, our partner um, traceability uh, blockchain guys which is uh, it's called empower and they verify every single order that comes through so from the source uh, from where the plastic's collected in that community all the way through from the for the shredding uh, the washing the making into pellets and the delivery to customer all of that's traced so that we can provide 100% accountability for our material and, you know, uh, avoid how other people are doing it, which might not be so correct. Just going back a little bit to uh, recycling plastic from the ocean, could you give us a little bit more information on why is it so difficult to recycle it straight from the ocean as opposed to, you know, something you might potentially, you know, collect up on the coast or in creeks or anywhere inland absolutely yeah so first of all you've got to get the fishermen to pick it up with their nets which of course is slow or you whichever way you you plan to do it um we we would always partner with uh, fishermen because they have the boats and they're collecting fish so that makes sense um for us to do that and they're happy to do that on a lot of terms so yeah it's collecting that obviously that's manually by met uh, by nets um and that we try and sort that plastic in the boats as much as we can, uh, but that doesn't always happen. There's a resorting process. So the boat will leave. Uh, it will head out, hopefully uh, not too far. These boats are quite small. And uh, the further you go out to sea, the harder it is. At least, you know, in sort of the river estuaries and the mangroves, which is a lot where we work, it's closer together. Um, and it really gets hard. When you, when you do get further out, you've got currents and you've got other things. You've got the separation of that. And then also on top of that, you've got the contamination of salt water and sunlight as well, which um, devalues the plastic. Um, not only that, you'll see issues with machines uh, sometimes. So uh, it, it requires a lot of things. And on top of that, it's an expensive way to do it, which a lot of people don't pay us for so we'll generally take all the material they'll bring in um, and uh, so all the types of plastic and some of them aren't worth any money so for instance on a coke bottle you get the plastic label around that which is paper probably laminated in plastic uh, or it is just plastic 
Mm -hmm. uh, that has no recycling value because that's made up of two or three different plastics. And in the industry, they're called multi-layer plastics. And that's a byproduct of the plastic bottle, which is valuable. Uh, so again, we've got lots of those which um, they either go to landfill or that type of plastic is burnt in uh, aggregators sorting places. So where the plastic is taken to be sorted, they'll have a burn pit in the corner, which is really horrible to see. So yeah, you've got difficulties in picking up the plastic. Uh, the, some of the plastic is not worth money. The plastic that is worth money, uh, how valuable is that? Uh, and then you've got the incentive of trying to get the, you know, the uh, community partnerships to, to collect that as well. Um, so yeah. Uh, basically, it's on every floor, it's very difficult. Uh, and we're really excited to see the increase of something called plastic credits, which we're really hoping we can roll out at scale, which is offsets like carbon offsets, where people can, uh, you know, companies can offset their, their new plastic manufacturing by partnering with someone like Honest Ocean and creating a budget for that we actually get paid before we do it so we can we can go and do it and get paid at the same time instead of us paying up front with these fishermen to get all this material and then trying to work out what to do with it plastic credits can offer an outlet that you know we can roll out at scale um, that we can actually make um, we can pay these guys we're probably not going to make much money out of it but as a profit, but we're going to be able to um, collect this material. And, you know, an issue, another issue that we have is the stopping and starting with these guys in these coastal environments. You, you really, once you start, you really can't stop because, you know, you've created jobs um, and that confidence is there. Yeah. Once you take that away and try and start it again, it, it's a really difficult thing, which we've actually had to experience. Um, so, yeah. Every front is, is difficult, to be honest, Kat. I did want to ask about the, you said how every, you know, type of plastic is worth a different amount. I've spent a lot of time on boats and, you know, doing beach cleanups and ocean cleanups. And you find a lot of like the microplastics or even just the small fragments. That is, that is the worst thing. Uh, and, you know, we're so early in the stages of, or we're slow, so slow to adapt, shall I say, into microplastics going into the environment. Uh, I mean, for us, for example, we're just trying to collect the big stuff because it's so much of it in the mangroves, let alone the microplastics and what's actually getting out way further into the environment. Um, and the re retrieval of that, you know, these, these um, ocean plastic treaties and things like that, they are, are they, you know, they're great, but we really have to roll out a scale that how, you know, a collection system and netting system isn't going to do it. So vacuum systems will have to do that. Um, and it's, it's running out every day in Southeast Asia to the ocean. And the reason why Honest Ocean hasn't focused yet on collecting um, from the ocean as much as we do from the coast is because it's running from land. And all these microplastics, they're going out there but they're coming from land. So, you know, ocean cleanup are doing great stuff at cleaning, you know, great out at sea, but, you know, the tap, the tap of plastic runs out every day. So we really focus on trying to 
trying to stop that before it gets there. And the, and the microplastics are just another step in the chain, which are really are almost impossible to collect at this stage. Um, and if it's manually done, you know, what's mm -hmm. being collected when that person has stopped collecting it, you know, the plastic's still running out. And it's such a big problem. And we've all been talking about it for years. But the truth is, Kat, that, um, that it needs a lot more. It needs a lot more people to help with this. Um, and there's just not enough. Um, you know, netting systems, like I said, is not really an option. So it, it really depends on technology to be able to, to use um, vacuum or identify um, microplastics in the environment and be able to retrieve it. One thing is trying to find, uh, you know, the strongholds of microplastics and the currents and where they're ending up. Uh, the, the difficulty is how do we, how do we pick it up? Um, you know, uh, trawling a net, you know, is a, is a very temporary solution. So yeah, it's, it's unfortunately a, a, a difficult question and a really frustrating one to, to not have answers for you uh, for, I'm afraid. Yeah, I think the whole thing is extremely frustrating. And it, it goes from, you know, the people who are living in Indonesia and living surrounded by all this trash to the people who are trying their best to collect it and do something better. And then there's, you know, us living in more, um, you know, privileged countries where we're just in the shops staring at the options going, this is all, <laughs> this is all fucked. <laughs> like everywhere yeah. you look, it's just plastic. It is. And it's, take, it's taken over our lives because, like I said, it's cheap and it's versatile. Yeah, exactly. And other solutions like seaweed wrapping and, and things like that, you know, that's fantastic. But you know, can, it, can it work at scale? Um, you know, these are great things. And that's why universities are looking at these kind of things. It's fantastic. And thousands of businesses are in the plastic uh, world and, uh, you know, controls and pays their salaries. And it's really how... How do we create a better product? And uh, we haven't talked about um, bioplastics, but, um, you know, unfortunately there is problems with bioplastics, which is really annoying. And if they do get into a recycling machine, it probably will have negative effects for that machine. So mm -hmm. if we're going to create these bioplastics, which would, would be fantastic, we can, whether it's veg vegetable extract um, printed with vegetable uh um ink which is very important there's no point having a recycle bioplastic that has normal uh chemical ink on it and then goes to the landfill mm -hmm. so if that product can work 100 percent in terms of end of life and that's what that's where the that's the whole issue of why this has happened because the people manufacturing the product don't care about the end of the product and brands really need to be accountable for that so if we're going to create a bio product it needs to it needs to go into a, a different pile which goes straight to landfill if it's a two or three year breakdown you know that's fantastic but that needs a, comp, a composting option for some great startups or businesses to adapt to to have have these um i don't know if it needs to be a landfill approach but a three-year cycle of composting um and it needs to stay away from the recycling market and there are actually options for that um, but the impact, you know, companies are, are slow to adapt to, to these kind of options. And how does that change the product inside the packaging, which is really the brand's responsibility for that uh, and what they're worried about? 
so yeah, um, it's, uh, it's there's there's lots of buzz and new things coming around, but it's really what is going to be the next next line of plastic. I really hope there is something um, because us collecting material here, you know, we've got even if they stop making plastic tomorrow, we've probably got about 15 to 20 years of collecting plastic to do. So um, in the environment. So yeah, there's yeah I mean, the next, there. <laughs> there's enough, we've got enough. Um, we've got enough to recycle it and reuse it for probably every product. Um, but then, you know, there's, there's another price, whereas virgin plastic is cheaper than recycled plastic. So companies, yeah, you know, are still using new virgin plastic manufacturing because it's cheaper and they're worried about profits. And unfortunately, in the in the timeline of our planet, this is the world we're in where everyone's concentrating on on profit instead of uh, coming together um, uh, in, you know, just to get them to recycle is, you know, for you and I is a crazy idea. We all think that's really easy because it's out there and we can do it. And Honest Ocean can provide them the material to do it and other companies as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's very difficult uh, for us to try and ask, um, you know, um, persist and, and ask them to, to use a better, you know, recycled product. Um, that's before we even look at all the different types of, um, you know, plastic replacements we can use. Uh, it's, a, it's a very long road, unfortunately, for... Uh, for this because it's the size of, of the market that needs to adapt as well uh, look I honestly think I'm going to have to have you on for a second episode because we're running out of time <laughs> and there's still so much I want to ask you and you know learn from you and I'm sure my audience is also on the edge of their seats so I think we're going to have to promise them a part two where we can dive a bit more into, you know, the experiences and what else we can be doing and, you know, all about the alternative plastic solutions. Absolutely. And it'd be great to chat uh, next year or whenever, and we can see, we can access toothpaste and everything else and see what's changed in the market. And uh, we'd love to give you some updates where we are. Um, and hopefully our material is going to be in Australia on shelves soon with great eco products, um, which uh, will be coming out next year, we hope. So we'd love to chat more on that. And uh, all of that can measure carbon and how it got to that shelf. So super excited to chat more about uh, that cat and really love the podcast episode you're running here. I think it's, I think it's amazing to share these stories and all of this with um, people. So yeah, thank you for having me on and I uh, look forward to talking again sometime soon. Definitely. But before you go, I do have to ask you the question I ask all of my guests. What is the one piece of advice that you would give people who want to protect our oceans? Just one. It has to be a quick one. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, it, for me, it comes back to demanding more from, from companies. Unless you want to start your own startup and collect material and then come and give me a call and maybe we can help you get started. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tom. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. It's going to cut us off soon. <laughs> cool. All right, Kat. Thank you very much. Have a great day. And yeah, let's chat soon. 
once again, thank you, Tom, so much for taking the time to be on this podcast with me today. We are so excited to hear about your progress and what's going to be happening next year. The work you're doing is inspirational, and I think it reminds all of us that no matter where we are in life, there are things we really taking that leap and going to Indonesia and starting this incredible um, organization, mission, spearheading this solution for a better tomorrow. So props to you. I'm so glad we were able to take this time and chat and I'm looking forward to our next chats where hopefully we can hear about even more facilities you've opened up and how we can actually get you know, these products in our own homes, in our own shops. Guys, if you do have any questions, please head over to Honest Oceans. Tom Jackson is the CEO and co-founder. Send them an email or an Instagram. Check them out on all those things. As always, all the information that we talked about will be on oceanpancake.com on this episode's kind of blog post. So head on over there. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world that you are here. So yeah, follow us on Spotify. Give us a like. Review would mean a lot. Uh, And as always, I also have to say thank you to the amazing mind behind the tunes and beats, which a play in Ocean Pancake podcast. And that's, of course, the talented, the incredible Graham Mose. Graham Mose music is the one who makes these funky jazz beats, which I dance to between every little section. He is from Brisbane and now he's currently touring all around Queensland. So if you live in Queensland, check out Graham Mose or his other band, Fat Picnic. They do amazing songs and honestly, it's a dance party if you guys ever want to go. So thank you guys so much and I'll see you in the next week's episode or next month's episode. Sorry, it's been a little bit more sporadic, 